Hi, I'm Sam Hurley. I'm from the Kitchen is on Fire podcast, from the restaurants Pigeon and the Magpie, and I used to be in a band that was rubbish, and I've written some books and they're rubbish, and my trousers are rubbish, but uh, what's not rubbish is the Drop Wine app, and they will deliver you nice wine drinks to you, wherever you are in London, Zones 1 and 2, and a few other places, not rubbish places, good places where you are and you want wine. They can also bring you some bread, uh, good bread, not rubbish bread, and pate, which is never rubbish. Um, And if you use the promo code KITCHENONFIRE, then they'll give you £10 off your first order, and that means that I can get some free wine from William and Ian Ian, uh, who run Drop Wine. You can get the app from dropwine.co.uk or from the Apple Store. Uh, They don't sell apples, they sell applications. Uh, I'm Sam Hurley. I was before and I am now. And I'm really nice, but I'm a bit rubbish. Goodbye. to go to Pigeon. I haven't been yet, uh, but I'm sure it's lovely. <laughs> 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 the never-ending story. Um, James, I worked it out. Yeah. You know what this episode is? The next episode, episode, episode. Oh, nice. Dre reference. Um Dr. Dre. Don't know who that is. The, Dr. Andre. No. Nope. No? Is he in, is he in Scrubs? He, he was a wrestler. Um, a big one. He's known as the yeah, Giants. You don't get small wrestlers, <laughs> do you? Uh, well, back in the day, you did, yeah. Um, yeah, I've worked it out. This episode, James, episode 136, do you know what this episode is? No. It's the alcoholic Benjamin Button episode. Remind me. Because we're recording this after the first bit of the podcast after we spoke with Ollie Hercules. So we started so drinking. Think, so you we think, people, we were going to try and get away with it, but people will be like, it's weird that they sound more drunk at the beginning. Yeah, and then they get more sober as they go <laughs> along. Well, actually, no, we don't. It's like an up and down thing. So it's not really Benjamin Button. We don't get more sober as our conversation with Ollie goes along, do we? No, but we we suddenly get sober when she arrives. But that could just be because we're like focused and professional. Okay. One of the things I've realised listening back to this podcast is that I know that if I'm if I'm a bit pissed, then I kind of slur my words like most people do. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel it's quite bad with me that I'll, I'll realise I've just said a sentence and I kind of just said a sentence. Even if I'm not hammered, I'll be like, oh god, I can't, I can't articulate. Right. Um, but listening back to the podcast, what's really struck home is that even if I, even after a bottle of beer, I can hear that I'm not as oh yeah as totally. articulate yeah. 
Yeah, that's fucking loot these games. It's quite interesting that it is. Yeah, that it's that noticeable straight away. Yeah. yeah, I would, I would, I would very much agree. So think on that next time you think I'll just have a couple of pints and I'll drive. Everything all right, Sam? Yeah, bit of a technical issue, but it's fine. Yeah. Forgot you were on a different mic. <laughs> um, is that what was going wrong? Uh, um, yeah, sorry. No. Pretty apply this wine. Yeah, it's quite apply, and after the cider, I just feel like I'm, you know, lost in an orchard somewhere. <laughs> you ever been yeah. lost in an orchard? Uh, I'd say an orchard's a relatively tough place to get lost in. You ever been lost in a dream? Um, I've always found my way back out. Yeah. Or or did I? Did you? I it's... mean, who knows? Life's just one big simulation, James. I saw quite a, a, a cruel but um, interesting tweet about Christopher Nolan. Speaking of getting lost in a dream. Right. Um, saying something along the lines of Christopher Nolan um, made a film about the... Um, it, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but the extraordinary, uh, sort of limitless things that we can dream and what can happen in our dreams. And he shot it all in brown monochrome and the only interesting thing that happened was something being fired out of the sea. And that tells you all you need to know about Christopher Nolan as an artist. What did he shoot in Brown? I can't remember. Well, uh, Inception. The palette is quite... A lot of it's in the rain. A lot of it's quite dreary. Right, OK. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming there was a reason for it. I'm sure there was, because he's a pretty talented guy. Yeah, no, but I think there is. Isn't there a thing? The, the brightest, sunniest part of the whole film is when Leonardo DiCaprio is showing... Uh, Juno, um, <laughs> Paris, Paris, yeah, and that's sunshine and it's bright and it's, and then the darkest is the lowest level. Yeah, well, actually, no, it's not true because isn't the lowest level Bane's level where it's in the snow, the Bond snow thing? I haven't seen it for so long. I'd like to watch it again. Such a good film. Such a good film. What, so anyway, this person's taking a swing at Nolan. I mean, I'll happily take a swing at Nolan for many things, but not Inception. What would you swing at him for? Dunkirk. Yeah, I thought that was absolutely wonderful. I think absolutely wonderful feels strong to me. Strong well, praise. Have a word with the Oscar committee. What did it, what did it win? Nothing, but it was, no, <laughs> it was nominated. Oh, we've all been nominated for Oscars, James. I thought it was. I, I genuinely thought it was a, a very. I, I didn't dislike pretty it. Pretty and just affecting one. film. Because yeah. it because it was under Sam. It was wonderfully under, yeah. under budget, <laughs> underwritten, <laughs> underdone, <Yeah>. under. <laughs> it's like a raw steak. It was weak sauce. That <laughs> movie weak. was weak sauce. Where uh, does that come from, weak sauce? I can't remember. Um... Maybe Dave Change said it. So Dave Change has got a podcast. I don't know what Dave Change did say. Yeah, so other podcasts, other other podcasts coming out. Uh, yeah, the David, the Dave Chang show starts uh, tomorrow. I think the first episode. It's so it's the first thing from Major Domo Media. So it's a bit weird. So he's started a media company, mm-hmm. having shut down Lucky Peach, which is a bit of kicking the teeth, I guess, for me. And, Maybe that's why Jonathan Gold took a swing at him in the Major Domo, his Major Domo review. But um, anyway, yeah, so but I think it's in association with The Ringer, which is the Bill Simmons' podcast. Right. Which is the biggest sports podcast, but they, he also has other people. He's the guy who had his interview with 
Dave Chang from a good while ago is fantastic. And also he recently had um, Al Pacino and film director, whose name I forget, on there, which was really interesting. The guy who directed Rain Man. Mm, uh, no. I can't remember his name. But, um, yeah, he's great. Really likeable guy, Bill Simmons. Clever, interesting um, dude. But he... Um, and Bill Simmons is the first guest. I imagine it would be very entertaining. Mm. I was reading Milos Forman's... Um, I was going to say biography. I meant obituary. Right. Interesting life. Yeah. Um, I don't really know a lot about him. I, I know his name, but... And recently, I suppose, from that... Um, uh, that documentary about Cuban Pete. <laughs> Cuban Pete, i.e. Jim Carrey. Yeah, well, because appropriate, I suppose, as our our, um, our guest is from Ukraine. Uh, Milos Forman was from Czechoslovakia, and his family were run out of there when he was relatively young, and he. Not relatively young. No, his family. Uh, I think as he, he, yeah, he he studied film in Prague and then became a bit of an auteur there and got a name for himself and then got the fuck out of Dodge. Um, Have you been there? Sorry, since Czechoslovakia or yeah. Czech Republic? Yeah. No, never. Have you? Yeah. Yeah. Good weird. times. Weird. Weird. Full place. of stags, isn't it? Stags. Yeah, of the hen and stag party oh, variety. Yeah, as yeah, yeah to. definitely. Yeah. No, it's where we did a uh, we recorded a bunch of our second record. Did out you? There. Yeah. Anyway, just interesting, but there was a sad um, line in it when he, along the lines of, he realised after Amadeus that he, he realised, and it proved to be true, that after Am- that Amadeus was the peak of his career and it was... Is that the one about the doggy? No, that's Beethoven. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Were you trying to be funny? I absolutely wasn't trying to be funny. Amadeus, yeah. the Peter Schaffer, Schaefer... Feet. Um, um, I was going to say JJ Abrams. Who's that? Someone um, Murray F. Murray Abraham. Who's that? Uh, the actor who played Salieri in Amadeus. Right. And mate, uh, I've got no idea. I just thought it was that movie about the dog. No, it's a play about Mozart. Right. Fantastic play about Mozart, and was made into a film by directed by Milos Forman. He right, also directed okay. One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I know who Milos Forman is. And so. he directed Cuban Pete in... Yeah. Uh, I've never seen it. Man on the Moon. Man on the Moon. Anyway, no. Milos Forman, R.I.P. Sad. cooked lately Sam nothing we cooked James you and I cooked oh yeah we did we had a we good time we took to the professional kitchen for the first time in a long while although we're going to be doing that towards the end of the year aren't we James you and me back in a professional kitchen well if this it depends oh if this chap um, yeah allows it okay alright uh, well we can talk about that later long way to go until that happens but we were um, we're going to be doing a new bar menu at Magpie and so we were coming up with dishes and a lot of times sort of find that dishes get slightly lost in translation because, you know, our chefs, our cooks are super talented, ambitious guys who, you know, want to show what they can do and they really want to push push themselves, which is awesome, but occasionally in translation they lose sight of 
you know, generosity and simplicity and... Um, and I'd say, actually... And which, Synchronicity, the Police uh, live album as well. Sorry. They occasionally lose track of that. Um, but I would say, actually, I'm sure that the whole Gordon Ramsay world, I, I'm not talking about his personality and his bullying and that sort of Aggie side of it, but just his style of cookery. Mm-hmm. I'd say, in a way, I'm sure it's brought some benefits to, you know, British restaurants. But it's also brought in this incredible, like, um, what's the word? Homogeneity. 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 How do you say it? Homogeneity. Homogeneity to people's food, people's plating, even people's flavours. Because you see these cooks who, you know, we have a bunch of guys who, who've worked in those restaurants. And I'm sure the training, the technique stuff is fantastic that you get if you can sort of roll with the punches, literal and um, emotional. But... It's so fucking similar. It all looks the same. A lot of it tastes the same. And and anyway, sort of, sorry, that was a slight I don't, I don't know if I agree with that, actually. I think you absolutely do. I think today... Uh, you, sorry, I'm not telling you what you think. But even today you went, yeah, that plating was a bit Atherton. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, which, but that's the Ramsey stable. But I don't think there's... Yeah, maybe... That, that's what you mean, saying I mean, the stable. Okay. I, mean, I mean, you know, what's come down. So Gordon oh, right, to yeah, Atherton yeah. to uh, Mark Sargent to... Um, uh, who's the Yoda dude off MasterChef? Thinks he's Yoda now, but he's not. Oh, Mark uh, Swearing. Swearing. Um, you know, that whole mm. thing, that, that whole world, that trickle-down effect, I think is probably the biggest influence on London cooking. You know, people talk about, mm. oh, St John, and, you know, which, amazing, where you can see that influence, somewhere like Lyle, somewhere like even Black Axe, or, mm. you know, there's people who've come through that kitchen, you can definitely see that influence. But, you know, a lot more kitchens, and therefore a lot more... Alumni, yeah, yeah. Oh, that. sorry, yeah. yeah that, that's agree. all I mean. Sorry, the um, but that plating style, even the ingredients, their go-to's, their the things that they would look to from Japan. You know, it's quite a narrow set of parameters, I think. Uh huh. So it's a really long-winded way of saying that, but yeah, I mean, one has one's um, shifts, and you know, one sort of what you know, Yoda is is quite an interesting. Yeah analogy there because you know you do have your yoda as a chef and if you've trained under a certain person then it it, it must be incredibly hard to shake that um oh god, god absolutely yeah and I, <clears throat> I wasn't even particularly saying it's a criticism just as a situation where we are where we sort of come up with dishes or mm. you know having conversations about dishes or how something should be plated or the size of what's actually on the plate yeah, well, that plate yeah, that JB posted on Instagram, and yeah. we both agreed it looked beautiful, yeah. but it looked like something you'd get at yeah. Bond Street Social, yeah. and that's not what we're shooting at. For sure. Anyway, so yeah, so we decided to get in the kitchen. So we would, we said to the guys in the kitchen, they wanted to come up with some dishes. We were going to come up with a few dishes and cook them, and then we'd all sit down and you know drink some wine and try the dishes and critique them and kind of see what we wanted to put on the bar menu. And it was really good fun. Like, I mm. thought it was it was. It was a cool learning thing because also what I realised is as much as you could get sort of sniffy about, I say, oh, bloody hell, you know, why aren't they being more generous or why are they overcomplicating something? It's also when it comes to it and putting those dishes up, you know, which we were obviously not doing it for, for a service. We're making a few plates of meatballs or whatever it was. But I was just like, I'm definitely sat here thinking, yeah, I think what I've cooked is great, but I'm definitely fully, fully aware mm. these guys can cook this better than I can. Mm. You know, it's sort of giving them the 
sort of the the pitch we want them to play on and then knowing that they can play better than we can. Yeah, it's, it's funny you say that because I think we went into it arrogantly, but we went into it like we're going to show them that you can cook delicious food without dicking around with it. Yeah. Which we did, yeah. but when I was putting up my food, I was like, I know that they would do this better. For sure, yeah. And that's that's definitely what I thought as well. Yeah, you know, that's a good thing. Oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if we weren't thinking that, he'd be like, "Oh my God, why were we giving these dudes all this money?" Um, uh, but it was fun, though. It was good. It was and great. We got some good dishes out of it. Yeah, yeah. I was just a bit disappointed with mine. I was like, "Ah, oh, I really thought that was gonna." Yeah, that yeah. was a weird one, though. I don't. It wasn't. The idea is there. Yeah, just the execution when it's. In no, my no, no hand. it wasn't that. I thought it was a weird. It was a weird pan situation going on there. I felt. Well, there was there was also the issue of I asked for Italian sausage and I yeah. got pork mince. Yeah, that's, uh, that's not going to cut. Not going to cut it. I was I was playing off the pros tee when I really I wanted to be just swinging it off the normal tee. What is the normal tee? The tee. Tea, club right? tee. Yeah, clubhouse. Clubhouse champion. Do you, do you ever have tea in the clubhouse or is it always pints? You can have tea. I mean, cup do you, of tea. Do you have a cup of tea? I rarely have a cup of tea. Actually, that's not true. I have a cup of tea quite often at home. Before bed, James. Do you ever uh, do you ever refer to it as the uh, the nineteenth hole? When you... uh, well, when I'm playing golf. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't call it. I don't call having a cup of tea before I go to bed the nineteenth <laughs> hole. Um, I have a delicious steaming cup mug of Genmica. Genmica. <laughs> Sam, how do you know the planet, the Earth, is round? I've seen it from space. No, you haven't. Have I not? Have you been in space? Well, no, I've seen a photo. How do you know that was real? I don't. It's composite. Composite? Yeah, that's, that's it's composite, you know, it's a, it's a composite image. Is it? It's not just one image. Is it not? Well, that's what I'm telling you, all right? Oh, you're telling me? Yeah. Right. How do you know that? The Earth is flat, is what I'm telling you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Going big. I'm going big. I've I've read into it. I've done a lot of research. I've watched some very very entertaining YouTube videos. This feels very strange. This feels <clears throat> like you've swapped bodies with me. Not bodies, actually, because I can see you, and you are equally as foul to look at as you are normally. Um, like our personalities have been switched. Yeah, that's it. So you're still in your body, but now my personality has gone into yours and you're talking some bollocks that you've read on the net that you want me to react to, which is what I do to you, which I'm going to do to you in a minute. Um, <laughs> yeah, which is sort of a funnier version of something that I say later, which, by the way, I might cut it when I listen back to it, where I suggest that after Olia Hercules gives birth to her son, some sort of X-Files situation, <laughs> they swap her for somebody else with allergies. That's all right. It felt a bit dark. No, that was fine. We are okay. dark. We well, anyway, dark. Right, I'm going to leave it in, guys. And uh, if you want to send us in an email, let me know if you thought that was over the line or you thought it was just some fun, classic ticky-off banter, do let us know. Carry on. The Earth is flat. Yes. Why? How do you know it's not flat? You know, okay, right. If you're standing on the beach and you, know, you think the ship's gone over the horizon, mm -hmm. but you, if you get a very good lens, then you can zoom in and the ship's still there. Flat. There you go. I rest at my keys, sir. But, okay. Right, fine. Say you had an amazing lens. 
what is the distance before the horizon does disappear? I think it's... Tw- what, what, uh, what, to the naked eye? No, 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 to, because a lens can only see forward, yeah? Sure. So say you had the best lens that's ever been created. Yes. Eventually, OK, <clears throat> you say you get the Hubble telescope, mm. right? You park it on a beach, <laughs> right? Drive it down there yeah. on a, some sort of dune buggy. Yeah. Hubble telescope. You're probably wearing some shorts. That shit's going to get hot. Imagine the sun hitting that. It's got mirrors and whatnot on it, Big no? time. Right, you get a mad tan. Sell some ice cream. Uh, anyway, so you, you've got the Hubble telescope there, and you're watching some, what, boat? Galleon? Geezer That's in a canoe? What are you looking galleon. at? Galleon. Galleon. Let's go with galleon. Okay, we've got Cruise a Cruise ship next to a galleon. Right. For reference. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Don't think that's vital, but let's go with it. <laughs> Who's on board? Who's on deck? Ant and deck. Ant and deck are on deck. Ant is not tucking into the grog, because he's got to keep it safe. That was mean. I'm sorry. Uh, wish him all the best. I do. God, that sounded horrible. But I do, because that's, that's harsh. Um, uh, yeah. Um, no, he seems like a good dude. Janet Street Porter. Janet Street Porter's there. This is turning um, into sort of a slightly low-rent ITV Saturday, <laughs> yeah. early Saturday night show. I'm a celebrity, where's the horizon? Yeah, get me on the galleon. Um, now you have to walk the plank. David Icke. Theme. David Icke. Ooh. He's involved, yeah. just to prove it. Um, one of the Saturdays? Yeah, one of the Saturdays. Both the, <laughs> both the Chuckle Brothers. Yeah, Barry and Gary. Um, it's not Gary. Morgan Freeman. Whoa, big get. Yeah, but I, just, I don't think you're getting him. Well, the Buster Rhymes. <laughs> they're not planning it. They're just there on the galleon. Oh, they just happen to all show up. Yeah, they all for the turn up in Portsmouth. Okay, so they jump on Portsmouth Beach. Yep. Okay, so okay, they've got Portsmouth HMS, has a- HMS Victory. They've sort of juiced that puppy, put uh, put an engine on the back. All right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Fine. Okay. So the Hubble telescope. You're on the beach. The Hubble telescope. You're watching it go. Yeah. Sails out. Twenty-one miles or so. She's going to hit France. So, fuck that. We can't do it from Portsmouth. Pick another beach. All right. Um, What's the longest sea crossing? That must be from, like, L.A. to New Zealand or something. Is that right? Or You take, t- take off... <coughs> oh, I don't know, mate. Okay, whatever. We need a big, big expanse of sea. Let's just so, say you've headed west from Perth. And- right, okay. So what I'm saying is, right, if the, if the, if the telescope stays on the beach... And it's staring at the galleon with Buster Rhymes and Janet Street Porter. Are they snug in on the front deck? Could well be. You know, love can blossom in various areas. <laughs> <laughs> um, eventually, the telescope can't bend its sight, can it? It just looks in a straight line. Yeah. How can it bend? It can't. That's what I'm saying. You can continue to see the ship. Yeah, but eventually. No, because at the, a certain distance, the ship is going to go down. No, it's not because the Earth isn't round; it's flat. No, but That's I'm, I'm telling saying. you, the Earth is round, and that will prove it. So this is going to be tough to prove because we need to borrow the Hubble telescope to put it on a beach buggy and get these D-list celebs and try and stop mm. Buster from getting his dongoloid out in public. <laughs> That's when he really busts a rhyme. Yeah. Um, a no, rhyme. I mean, obviously. Did you say a rhyme? You bust a rhyme. Oh, right. The rhyme being... Mm-hmm. Anyway, no, I mean, I'm just being um, silly because okay. I was listening to a podcast about conspiracy theories. Were you? That's not yeah. like you. Oh, you listened to one of people going, there's oh, a, they're so silly. 
No, but there's a guy called um, uh, Mick West, I want to say, who's got a uh, website called... Brother of Fred. Metal... <laughs> it sounds like it. Sounds like a right fucking psycho. Uh, Metabunk, and he just... Yeah, I mean, he is a bit of a loser because he goes around debunking... Oh, who's the guy I was telling you about? Who He, he made a fuckload of money um, making Tony Hawk games. Oh, nice. And then retired age 45 or something, and now just... Goes around debunking myths, but it's really interesting because you know you he'll pick apart flat Earth theory or nine eleven conspiracies or you know oh, that sounds cool. what he's got a podcast. No, but he was on uh, Joe Rogan, right? And he's got a very boring voice, but I sort of quite like it. It's a it's quite sort of matter of fact, scientific way of speaking. I just don't know how much fun that would be debunking stuff. Oh, it is because when you in the world of Twitter, oh yeah, you know you're never bored. Yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I can't take much pleasure in that. So you're going to wind me up now, but I don't. Oh, really... yeah. Could you pass me my phone? Okay. Right. I've had this. It's unbelievable, right? I've had this note on my phone for weeks. All right. Okay. Well, consider me on the edge of my seat. You should be. James, what yes. do you know about the moving coffins of Barbados? Nothing. Enlighten me. Interesting. Eighteen twelve. That was the year of Napoleon's invasion of Russia. I don't know. I believe. I couldn't tell you. Uh, I think that was when he fucked it up in Russia. Did he? Lost the plot that did. Everyone does, doesn't they? Try and get in there. Yeah. Come up well short. Oh, Russia. Yeah. Same in risk as well. In risk. Very difficult, apparently. Never played. I have played once. It was very boring. Kid, but I don't remember it. Um, anyway, a wealthy landowner, Colonel Thomas Chase, died by his own hand on the island of Barbados in the Lesser Antilles. Yeah. He was not a well-loved man and was known for his excessive cruelty to his slaves and his bad temper. In the what? In Les Antilles, isn't that... Uh, I sound like a real dick. Barbados. It was on the island of Barbados. Oh, I'm thinking of Les Antilles. Anyway, he bought a vault. So that's a good move. Okay. You know I'm keen on that. Well, you want a crypt. Yeah, but what's the difference between a vault and a crypt? I, th- I think this is what it means, a crypt. He purchased it 12 years before, which already contained the remains of two of his daughters, which is pretty right. big. God knows what happens to his daughters. Anyway, so they moved the slab uh, and put his heavy lead-lined coffin into its resting place. But a horrifying surprise awaited the burial party. Sometime within the preceding month, the coffins in the vault had all been moved and were found scattered helter-skelter about the small stone-walled crypt. Okay. On four other occasions, from 1816 through to 1820, the Chase Vault was opened, and again the coffins had been moved around. Each time they were carefully replaced, the vault was sealed, and not once was any evidence of tampering found. Right. What was going on, James? What was going on? Um, What was going on? Tricky, very tricky. They, so they then opened it, and they, so they put opened the sand crypt. all over the floor. So someone had been in there digging about, or there was a poltergeist, or Could a ghost. Have been a poltergeist. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, what's more likely, Sam? I mean, someone's razor is saying, "Ghosts of pirates out there." A lot of them hanging around. Keith Richards digging about in there. Could have been Keith Richards. What's he up to? Digging about in crypts. Could have been. Is that is that from the unexplained? No. Podcast. Other other podcast. 
I don't know. It's not that good a story, though. Is it not? If I'm honest. Not really. Why not? Well, I don't know if I believe it in the first place. Well, there's a lot of people saying that it happened. A lot of tales saying that it happened. A lot of people said they saw Jesus walk. And they, you know. put, they put sand all over the floor so you could see footprints or something to see if people go in there. And that was never, there was never footprints on it. So, mental. Do you want to know what the rational explanation is, James? Love to, yeah. What was your, your rational explanation? People so, going so in there and fucking around. Keith Richards or bats. Keith Richards, bats. bats. Bats are moving 400 kilogram coffins. Oh, around. they're moving the coffins as well. Coffins are all higgledy piggledy, stood on oh. their ends, turned upside down. Mental. Oh, okay. What's the Jonathan Creek explanation? Jonathan Creek. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm a bit asthmatic. Um, you know, the the Jonathan Creek always would come in with a rational explanation, right? Of what had was occurred. he right, or he just was taking a swing. No, he was always right. Was he? I've, never, never, I've never seen it. I ah, great stuff. The early Jonathan Creeks. Fantastic BBC television. Was he going out with his mum in it? Caroline Quentin. <laughs> Is that what it was? A, she didn't play his mum. Oh, I thought, um, I, I thought it was his mum. <laughs> okay. I thought it was a weird move, but all right. Why would she be his mum? She's the same age as him. Is she? Yeah. Oh, all right. Sorry. Um, okay. I mean, not that you can't be a young mother... Look, good luck to you. For sure. Nothing wrong with it. Um, so you reckon it was somebody going in there and fucking around with them? Right. Well, uh, I didn't really listen to the story, if I'm honest, because I was looking up the on, <laughs> on TV. Well, everyone who is listening to this podcast is fascinated. And to, you know, are they fascinated? They're just wait, they're skipping through this so they can listen to Ollie. Okay, come on. Crack an egg of truth over my fat head. Flooding. Flooding. On the hillside, great storm waters run down the hill, fill up the crypt, wash the uh, coffins around, then the water would drain away. By the time they opened it, it then dried again. Is their best guess for what happened with the moving coffins of Barbados. And that's all from this episode of The Kitchen is Unexplained with me, Samuel James Kenneth Smith. Very good. Um, yeah. But, yeah. I love a mystery. Who it doesn't? Was a mystery. This is why. This is why we like uh, conspiracy. This is why we like all these things. Because do you, but do you like them? Do you take any pleasure in it at all? Hundred percent. How do you? Okay. Right. Absolutely. I you just like your immediate thing is that's bullshit. Are you like, oh, that's kind of fun? Oh no, I'm, that's kind of fun. And oh, let's okay. figure out what's the rational explanation. Right. 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 Definitely. Well, we all have that in us. I know, but I, I didn't think you did. That's why I <clears> tell you this stuff all the time. That's why you tell me I'm dead inside. You, yeah, you are. But I'm not, though, like no, I love it. I love it. Love ghost stories. Love all that. You're into magic and wonder. I am, but I, but like Darren Brown is into magic and wonder, and his whole thing is, it, but it's not magic. But he's still into it because it's fascinating and it's fun, yeah. and we all get a little buzz. Wow. That's why we watch horror horror films. It's not. Well, I don't because I get too scared. But it's not oh, that yeah. we—it's not that we believe in monsters. You watch that quiet place. <clears throat> yeah, well, but it's not that we believe in monsters or that some blind alien's going to take over the planet. It's that we and invent an arga, But it's that we <laughs> call forward. Um, it's that you know we get a little weird buzz from it. We like stories, Sam. Yeah, real storytelling nation. 
St your, George's Day was the other day. What's your so, favourite story? St George. What do you think about the new royal baby? Oh, racist knight, you know, kills a dragon. What's your favourite story? Favourite story? Favourite story. The um, Never Ending or Toy? <laughs> One, two or three. Two, 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 two. They're all good. See, again, another example there. Of the second one being quite good and the third one being shit, no? No, no, the third one's fantastic. Third but, one is fantastic. But it's no two. It is. Third oh, one's is. very good. Second one's got that Sarah McLaughlin soundtrack, which is what tugs at every heartstring possible. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, Toy or Never Ending. She was the... Big fan of Toy Story, got to say, but the Never Ending story, that was... It was a pivotal moment in my life, and the theme song is no joke. The never-ending story. My wife and I sing di- that to one another quite a lot. <laughs> True dis- fact. Dishonest film, though. But you can do that with your hand as yeah. well. The never-ending story. And you're saying hoary, so, which adds a little frisson to it. <clears throat> but dishonest at the same time. Why dishonest? Well, it ends, doesn't it? Yeah, but the story continues, James, after you stop watching. Much like... Blade Runner, Director's Cut. And all the ticky off. You didn't watch the Director's Cut. Mm. You just watched just flat Blade Runner. Yeah. No, I wouldn't recommend that. I can't believe, Would you not Google this stuff? Be like, oh, which version should I watch? You didn't even know that. What sort of fucking nerd? Because what? that film is renowned for having different versions. Like, there's quite a thing about it. No? No, but great, but it was on Now TV and we thought, let's watch Blade Runner. Well, that's good. I'm glad you're watching some classics. I feel good for you. I feel good for you. Are you enjoying your stroll down memory lane? Memories <clears throat> you've never had. You're creating new memories. This, you have more space on your hard drive than you thought, my robot friend. <laughs> <laughs> your C-3PO. Uh, Is he the little gold one? He's, well, he's, yeah, he's not little. <coughs> he's human Is he the one they said was gay? Nothing he's wrong with He's quite camp, it. yeah. He's no, gay. but didn't George Lucas say, yeah, oh, he's, he's supposed to be yeah. gay? Oh, I don't know, did he? Are you enjoying watching these films, these classics that people have probably annoyed you, saying, oh, you should watch Godfather? Like you say people, you, say like people me, you just me. you mean yourself. What, nobody else has in your entire span of life has ever said, mate, you should really watch Godfather Oh, they too. probably have, but the sort of people I'm generally like, fuck off. But you me. Should, you should read Harry me, Potter. Me, I'm your sensei. Have no, you read Harry Potter? Yeah. I haven't. Should do. <clears throat> I, I stubbornly read Lord of the Rings to about... N- for 100 pages from the end, so maybe 950 pages in, and I was like, fuck this. Really? Yeah. Crumbs. Just bored off my tits. No. <coughs> my, my asthma has hit me. Hay fever. Um, we've got a guest about to show up in the past and in the future. I'm going to put a pause now for Ollie Hercules and not die. Imagine if I died now. It would be very sad. be an embarrassing way to go, wouldn't it? Oh, I had a cough. Oh, never-ending story. Oh, Godfather's a bit disappointing and Blade Runner shit. <laughs> Did you think Blade Runner was shit? No, I just was fascinated by it as a cult film. Oh, no, not as a cult film, but as a as a as a piece of cinema. In that, I just found it bizarre. Like it's it's not it's it's. I thought it was like a futuristic thriller, but it's like an, a weird art house film. It's an art house film. Like, the cuts are fucking bizarre. Yeah, but all of those films <coughs> were art house films. Right. Like, have you seen 2001 A Space Odyssey? No. That's a fucking art house film. Like, they all... Because they, they were the film school kids. You know, the, the Kubrick, I suppose, is slightly just different. To, but, like, yeah, that just, was their world, sorry. you know? Yeah, just to our, like, modern aesthetic, it's just like... You're just... 
<laughs> there's just cut after weird cut that you're just like, what? Whoa! Like, where did it? Where, where did that line come from? Where? Did, how? Why is that person suddenly there? Because it doesn't. Because it doesn't sort of lay it all out in front of you. Which now you see, like, you couldn't even watch, you, uh, like, Inception or something. Is more like those films. The cuts in it are more seventies esque than like a Marvel film, and they're not the same thing. I know they're not, but those, you know, certain directors nod more to those things than others. Maybe that's a bit, that was a bad example. But but at, the, but at the same time, you've got this weird disjointed film that... But it's not disjointed. It, it, it is in terms of the the cuts and the pacing, it is. Definitely. I, don't, I think disjointed seems like a loaded <clears throat> word. Like, oh, it's sort of badly edited. Well, it is to the modern eye, I would say. To, to my eye, it's like... It, it, you know, if you went into it completely blind, mm. which it's not a great analogy. <laughs> you know, if you went into it knowing nothing about it, not knowing, yeah. it was a, you know, if someone said, "Right, a student has made this," what do you think? Um, you, you you would think either like it's it's beautiful and clever, which or, or you could think both that, but it's it's unusually slash badly cut, badly edited, like the and. So you've got all that, which is which is fine. Absolutely, you know, I'm, I, I have no knowledge about cinema and art, so that I, I'm more than happy to say that it's clever and thought provoking and all of that, and discombobulating, which is obviously meant to be as a film. It is. It's you know, you feel um, un, yeah. unmanned and un whatever, but at the same time, you've still got this like weird voiceover just to make sure you you can follow it. Yeah, which, you know, the director's cut. <coughs> yeah. Director's cut doesn't have the voiceover. But also, you know, if you look at... Probably if you watch Citizen Kane, you'd be... Which, actually, I've only ever watched Citizen Kane once. So Unbelievable. tell you a lot about it. it about eight times. Okay, but... So Citizen Kane generally gets held up as being one of, if not the yeah. greatest film ever made. And if you put that next to any film of the last 10, 20 years, it would scan as fucking weird and as edited weird and as uh, weird but you know as a sort of high peak of the art form it it, it is and it was and it's just no, different course. from what's now and, <clears throat> and if that was the peak then you're sort of comparing it to like a Marvel movie which makes perfect sense and any idiot can follow it because they make films for six year olds or whatever is the argument which I'm not saying is yeah, true I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying I prefer Doctor Strange I know, to I know, I know you're not I know you're not but at the same time, I don't, I don't feel you get that that. Um, and maybe it was just a technological thing in that paintbrushes and paint haven't changed very much, yeah. and instruments haven't changed dramatically. Um, but sort of filmmaking equipment has, so you don't get that massive. You know, what's it? Thirty-five years old now, <coughs> Blade Runner, and that feels like a, a completely different world to films being made now. Whereas a a painting that was made yesterday versus a painting that was made yeah. five years ago wouldn't jar terribly. Obviously, you know, music, you, there's a difference but in terms of pace and tone and things and structure. chords hanging around And there. structure of songwriting and things. Ah, yeah. It hasn't changed dramatically. So I, I suppose that's why it does just stand yeah. out so much. Do you know what, Sam? Do you know what? Yeah. We, we're going to do a second podcast, which is called James Watches the Classics. <laughs> and we discuss... The films no, that I should good. have seen already. Um, also, it'd be interesting when you watch the new Blade Runner as well, because visually and everything, and atmospherically and even sonically to an extent, it's very much like the first one, but done in a modern way. So kind of that'd be that's cool. That'd be interesting. So next week, let's check back into uh, James watches the classics and the not a remake, the sequels to the classics. 
been released recently. That's somewhere in the niche area, but we're going to introduce that next week. Jay's is about to die of asthma, so... And on that bombshell, we'll introduce our guest for the week. After I play some instrumental music between now and when that happens. And also I was recording about ten minutes before we started, so... Uh, I'd say goodbye, but it's not the end, it's just the beginning. Or is it? Goodbye. Fuck off. I'm a Dracula, I'm a vampire man, made out of blood and wood and garlic and whatnot, living it up in Romania. Whoop! Organ music, check this finger speed, y'all. Castles, fog, pale skin, bats. You think all us Draculas just want to drink blood? You are crazy. Blood tastes proper gross. It tastes like iron, metal, it's like licking pennies. Fuck that. I drink vodka and I drink our London vodka. It's distilled in Hackney in London. It's super smooth and delicious and it's nutritious. How the hell do you think I live to the age of 865 years old? Oop! Our London vodka, that's how. Go to Magpile on 10 Eden Street, say the promo code the kitchen's on fire, they'll give you half price. Our London vodka based cocktails. Mental. Nearly as mental as pretending you're a bat and sleeping in a coffin. Nearly, but not quite. Drink responsibly, or I'll bite you on your gross neck. Organ music! We're joined by Olia Hercules. Thank you for joining us, Olia. Thank you for having me. Am I pronouncing everything right? Yes, Olia is great. Uh, How are you? Really well, thank you. How are you guys? Yeah, we're, we're very well. We're just up in the office, enjoying life. Um, <laughs> haven't even tucked into a beer yet, which we usually are by this point. But um, is it Wednesday? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely. Time it's for Wednesday beer. hump day. Yeah. Um, what have you been up to? Uh, just come back from Poland, actually, which was great. Were you just in New York or something as well? Mm, no, that was in November. Okay, Paris. No, just Poland. Uh, maybe you just <laughs> maybe you just lied to me because when we were trying to arrange a date for this, I'm sure you said, "Oh, well, we're." Maybe I just imagined oh, Paris. Oh, Rome. Rome! Rome! No, that was a holiday. Yeah, I no, that was lovely. Nice. That was that was lovely. Uh, Poland was work. Uh, what were you doing? So both books, Mamushka and Caucasus, are published there, and um, uh, apparently uh, Polish people love them. So I went and did kind of a mini intensive three-day tour. Which involved? Uh, which was crazy. Uh, an interview kind of every hour, and then TV, radio... And two masterclasses, which in retrospect was a little bit mad. But uh, Wait, how, what was mad about? It's just intense, you know. What, yeah. It's already. And then I did I, before, just before I left on Thursday, I taught at Leith's uh, School of Food and Wine as well. Yeah. Sixteen people. Then Saturday, sixteen people, and then twenty people on Sunday. So that's quite right. a lot of like. You doing the whole headset <laughs> mic and you know doing the pans? No, it's more like hands-on. Oh, okay. So just teaching people how to make uh, dumplings and like stuffed Caucasian flatbreads and things. To the students or to sort of special one-off? Uh, the Saturday was for bloggers right. and Sunday was for yeah just normal people. I did a I taught a class at Leeds once. I was not asked back. Really? <laughs> nope. Did, did I know you then? It might be before I knew you. Uh, it was a, it was a while ago. I think it was 
do have dinners era, so 20... No, I knew you then, didn't I? I have a a tiny recollection of you saying you were going to go and do that. It's really hard. It's really hard. I mean, I keep doing them, and then every time I finish, even though it's lovely and it's amazing and whatever, but it's just so intense that I just think, this is it, this is the end of my teaching career, I'm not doing it ever again. And then they wait like for six months and ask me again, and I'm just like, okay, maybe I'll do it again. (laughs) But it is hard. What, what, uh, and how did it compare to teaching in Poland? Um, I guess in Poland, you definitely know that, well, this time I knew that people came because they just really loved my books. So are they so sort of bestsellers there? Uh, for like, yeah, for like a, because they don't normally buy books in. So, and right. they said that I was like the first person from the UK to come and kind of actually do. Wow, that's awesome! That's thing. like finding out you're like a band who's really big in <laughs> like just one country. Yeah. Yeah. Like... something like that, and specifically, it, it's like people from Eastern Poland are, are, are like massive fans of Mamushka because it just reminds them of their childhood and things like that. I guess it's on the border with Ukraine, so there's yeah. this kind of uh, connection there. So but what's yeah. your, what's what's the what's the potted history of Olia? Um, how do you? you know. <laughs> What's your name? Where'd you come from? And what's your background? How did you uh, right. get into food okay. writing? Okay, so um, born in Ukraine, uh, in the south of Ukraine, which pretty much used to be a desert before the Soviets um, kind of set up an irrigation system there in the fifties. So super hot summers, really lovely. Uh, kind of grew up in the countryside, and then when I was twelve, almost thirteen, uh, went to live in Cyprus, the Greek uh, part of the island. Went to an English school there, did my A-levels, came to the UK to do university, did my BA, did my MA, as, you know, worked as a kind of junior reporter for a magazine, worked as a translator, worked, did, did loads of different things, and then the crisis hit, and I decided to quit my job and become a cook. Right. So I went to my mom and dad and said, look, I need to take a loan out because I can't ask you for any more education stuff. <laughs> And uh, luckily, they were still able to help me, so they actually helped me out. And I went to Leith's, so and did my course there, and then worked in restaurants for a bit, and then crazily, one thing led to another, and somehow I'm here today. And where did you? um, Was your class when you graduated? Was it ranked? You know? Yeah. Where Where did you graduate? Did you graduate top of your class at Leith? I, yeah, it wasn't I, I only asked because James went to Ballymaloo and I mean, he, he, he <laughs> and graduated top of his class. Did he? Yeah. It was a, yeah. It was a smaller <laughs> It was huge. It was huge. It was, it was a big day. They, when you go to Leith, they've got the boards with the, each year and who came top oh, and really? best yeah. at wine. And I did pretty well. I did like really well in my theory, I think. Uh, the practical bit, I can't really remember. It was probably kind of medium. Yeah, do, it, do was, it wasn't top, top of the class. Do you get stressed out by cooking in those environments? Yeah, I mean, it was, for me at least, like, um, I never really... There were kids that kind of did restaurants and already did service and stuff like that. To me, it came a little bit harder, so I, maybe I struggled with timings and stuff mm. to begin with. So that's why when, you know, I finished Leeds, I just thought, oh, I'm just going to go and work in restaurants now. Is it, like, classical? I don't, I'm, a bit, I'm familiar uh, with Leeds. Is it, like, classical training? Yeah, yeah, French classical and, French and... They also do all the other cooking, but it's mostly, yeah, we learned how to uh, make food in that classic way, right. which is great, actually. It gives you a lot of confidence. So I felt like Leeds gave me this kind of 
Mm. Yeah, but then you go and work in a restaurant and you're like, oh, fuck. So where did, where did you go and work? <laughs> um, I worked at this bistro in Fulham for a bit, and then I went and worked at Ottolenghi right. for about wow. eight months or something, Yeah, which was pretty intense. The original? Intense. Uh, the Islington one, mm. yeah. So I was the breakfast person. Wow. But obviously, did salads and things, and you know, did double shifts and crazy. Yeah, it was intense town. Sam and I must be the f- two of the few people with restaurants who have never. We work front of house, but I've never worked properly in a restaurant kitchen. No. Uh, well, do you, you cook there? You've done the shifts at Pigeon, though. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I've never, I've never, I've never been there at six in the morning gutting fish and no. left at one the following morning. Yeah, oh, that's the worst, especially in Smelling winter. Like so you, you get in and it's dark and then you're in the basement yeah. and then you have to leave at one and it's dark and, oh, my God, so depressed. I think also we had the... When we did the supper club, like, that was the... You know, that is a sort of magic ideal about what you hope you could be if you were a cook and you had your own place. Like, oh, we just cook. We change the menu every week and, you know, you go in the kitchen and... Maybe you've prepped beforehand slowly over the course of a day and then you cook for a really small amount of people and it's super relaxed and, you know, you can have a glass of wine in your hand while yeah, you're doing yeah. it. Whereas the idea of actually cooking in a professional kitchen, that was absolutely no, terrifying. Yeah, what did you, I mean, you do that now, sorry. But. No, no, no. I mean, just, no, I love, love being involved with it, but I wouldn't want to be the chef. Which no. was part of the reason why whenever we were doing the sub club, people would say, oh, you should open a restaurant. I'd say, absolutely no way. Because in my head that was, and you should do the cooking. No, that's why I like I do all of these uh, pop-ups. Actually, I do have some things to plug. Hey. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> tell, I'm, tell I'm us cooking you can cut that line. <laughs> are, you, are you doing some pop-ups? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but that's why I love. Like, I I do miss service, and I do. I, I love cooking for people. Like, genuinely, it's well, it's across. all good to release cookbooks, but it's nice for people to come and eat your food. And it's kind of like what I grew up with—just big long tables people eating and getting drunk and having a great time and it's like gives you a big buzz to to do that well the ethos of mamushka your most recently published book published no nope, that's the first one damn it <laughs> your first book <laughs> yeah. published by uh, octopus I believe. yeah yes uh you know that is all about the home and the heart and the, the love that is the cliches but true yeah yeah um, no it, it, it is true it, i know it's a lot of it is a cliche but i don't care so yeah, you definitely. grew up around Big tables, lots of booze, long boozy lunches. Oh, ab- absolutely, yeah. Who was the I cook mean, at home? Um, both my parents, but like, um, I mean, my mom is just next level. I, I need, I need, you know, the stuff that she, she makes, like filo dough, you know, from scratch uh, to make this Moldovan twisted bread thing, and then she. So it's so thin, she kind of stretches it with her hands and then she like throws it around her head, like like a pizzaiolo wow. basically. Wow. Like, I, I don't know how she does it. I've got a, I've got a slow-mo video of her somewhere on Instagram and it's like, post that oh, again. Cool. Yeah, so she's amazing. My grandmas were amazing. My dad is experimental crazy, <laughs> but like, it somehow works. Okay. So my son is like part uh, Thai, half Thai. So my dad decided to start putting a bit of uh, ginger into our borscht. You know that, that would work. Classical, it really, really works. Yeah. yeah, it just adds a little bit of heat. Like, so they're amazing. Uh, but my mom is one of uh, six, so we have got a massive kind of extended family, and, and for that's them, how the fifty people kind of comes in. And for them, is being able to fling a load of filo around your head an impressive thing, or that's just what you know? How it's to just do? like it's, a normal thing. Yeah. And it wasn't until I actually became a cook and a chef that I was like, oh shit, the bed! I've actually yeah. got this like 
she can she can do it yeah she can really do it and i and i can learn hey so um and so so in that book was sort of instant bestseller slash uh, so more than yeah for like a niche cozy you know so it's not like deliciously Ella numbers obviously sure. but uh, uh, but it sold more than a hundred thousand worldwide blimey which is quite nice for you know a U- kind of Ukrainian situation yeah. there <laughs> was was the plan always to write when you went to Leeds or did that sort of just uh, evolve uh, I mean uh, you know I wanted to do something with you know I guess the dream was to have a job at a magazine or something you know developing and testing recipes and mm. stuff like that maybe food styling that was kind of the idea I, to be honest with you I had no f- clue that anything like that was actually possible it was never like okay I'm gonna train to, to do this and then there's this big book dream thing mm. maybe so obviously everybody kind of dreams of it somewhere but I didn't really I didn't pursue it let's just say it kind of just happened which is quite a nice thing and was there <laughs> is there sort of precursors to you writing about Ukrainian food you know is there the I can't think of an example the Delia of Ukraine or whatever is there has there been those books before that we uh, probably not, wouldn't know about or? I mean <sighs> Not really on a big scale and not internationally. I mean, of course, people have been writing about... Yeah. Oh, well, there's a, there's Anya von Bremsen, who is a um, kind of Russian-American, and she's amazing, and she wrote uh, Please to the Table in the early 90s, which is, like, an incredible book. And then she wrote a memoir, like a food memoir about leaving the Soviet Union and stuff. So she's, she's incredible. She's amazing. Uh, but specifically Ukrainian kind of focus, uh, no, it hasn't really been done in this kind of modern book cookbook was it, setup. Was it I'm not getting wrong, 1951 when the book of is it Good and Healthy Eating came out um, that sort of absolute tome of Soviet cooking. Yeah, 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 I've got that Yeah, It's, it's an amazing uh, book, yeah, the illustrations Yeah, yeah the illustrations are fantastic No, I love it And uh, I wouldn't want to discuss age or anything but presumably you grew up, if not Towards the end of the Soviet Union, at least, sort um, of. I caught a bit of it. Yeah. So I'm 1984. <clears throat> so 91. I'd, yeah, I remember queuing and shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what were you? What were you? What was the sort of standard diet for for your family then? Well, so, and that's how I feel like it contrasts with, for example, Anya's uh, um, kind of account of uh, growing up in the Soviet Union, which she was in Moscow, and it was really pretty grim there from her descriptions. Uh, luckily for us, I mean, Soviet Union was a horrendous place, don't get me wrong. Um, but luckily for us, we had kind of like a bit of land. So we were able to grow stuff. My grandma had uh, like little goats and chickens. All of the animals had right. uh, super dodgy like names, <laughs> like political names. Right. Like the cat was Nero and one of the goats right. was Shevardnadze, which was like this... <laughs> communist leader and like Georgian leader in the like 60s it. she was a bit mental um, uh, so you know so she kind of we grew up eating pretty amazing food we didn't really eat all the shit that was in the shops or wasn't in the shops you know um, they made stuff they so made they made bread they made uh, you know everything was like uh, great ingredients and you know I, was, I feel kind of and, but I never appreciated it it wasn't actually until I was here and already a trained chef and the whole kind of you, you know it just seemed like there was a moment where there was a bit of a zeitgeist with the whole sustainability seasonality da, 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 and I just thought 
wait a minute, but this is just fermentation and it's just like the stuff that I grew up with. God, I had an edgy childhood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A bunch of edgy in the Soviet Union. Yeah, but overall, I mean, like, Soviet years, were, it, it's not nothing to kind of romanticize too much. Sure. But as a kid, I was lucky enough to kind of grow up seasonally and to eat all of these amaz- amazing vegetables and fruits and, you know, cured pork fat and shit. <laughs> yeah, this is the sort of, you know, whether you came that was, came from your background or just maybe our even our grandparents' generation, potentially our parents of, you know, this new wave of oh, cooking with cheap cuts and preserving. They were like, we've been doing that for years. Why do you think you're so bloody progressive? <laughs> yeah, I remember my grandparents had a like a larder in their kitchen. And they lived in like a, um, you know, a, not a terrace, but the like sort of semi-detached house, a 60s, you know, estate sort of house. Was it in London? Pebble Dash, no, in Hereford, so uh-huh. sort of on the border of Wales and, and, and England, pretty much. But I'm um, cooking there on the 4th of May. Woohoo! Hereford. This I tee you up for that. Yeah. Organic, yeah, sorry, yeah. no, go on. Uh, I mean, I could have lied and said, you could tell me anywhere, and that's where my grandparents would have lived. I can cut that back in. Um, but they had a cupboard with, uh, which I only ever went in there to get, um, they had a gun that fired corks. So I'd go and get it and shoot my brother or he'd get it and shoot me and then one of us would cry and they'd take it away from us. But they had jars and jars of pickled cabbage that was for Christmas and pickled onions that my granddad made and just pickles everywhere. And, you know, as a kid, you don't think about it at all. And now I'm like, God, you could have opened a shop in Brooklyn and made a fortune. You know? <laughs> yeah. Did they have them in nice pretty Kilner jars as well? No, just like jars, you know, yeah, all labelled. Yeah. I still remember the labels, but... You know, just that was just what you did, you know. And I love where you come from. I've got a good friend who lives in uh, Ledbury. Oh, nice. So I go quite a lot. Yeah, we go to the uh, Forest of Dean. Oh, yeah, Marshall okay. picking yeah. with my son. Says. Yeah, I haven't been down there for years and years. But, Would you like um, a beer? Nah. Would you like a beer? Yeah, uh, pff, I'll never say uh, no. Have a Sam slight, slight Cider, taste. Savannah Drive. <laughs> This me here sitting with my kombucha. Well, You've ruined my health. I'm day. assuming that you made this yourself, you know. Passed, uh, passed I, down I from did, your grandmother's recipe. Yeah, I did try to make kombucha, uh, to be honest, but I. Yeah, pale ale is great. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this is this is great. This is like the most relaxed podcast I've ever been on. Oh, well. And I can swear. <laughs> it's so nice. How many other podcasts have you been on? I've uh, been on quite a few. Oh, I'm lying. All of them have been quite relaxed, but. Um, but this is clearly. But the best this is one. like super super yeah. relaxed, yeah. Or oh, unprofessional, some might say. <laughs> we'll take no, relax. I like it. Um, so pop ups all over the country. Uh, well, yeah, actually, taking it on the road, uh, doing like a Ukrainian, helping this Ukrainian theatre like youth group in Western Ukraine. So all of the profits are going to that. So that's wow. the one in Hereford, and then I'm doing one uh, in Quo Vadis for money. Quite right. <laughs> nothing, the, nothing wrong with that. On the fifteenth, fifteenth uh, of May, I think, and uh, duck soup. No, not duck soup. Little duck in Dalston. Ah, but that's sold out already. So sold out already. But yeah. quite this isn't. Uh, I don't think so. I think there's still Tuesday. A... Yes, something weird like that. Yeah. Is that the d- oh? That's the day when we're going to the Nebraska beef lunch. That is a big day. Maybe it's the sixteenth. It's the sixteenth. We'll, we'll, if it's sixteenth, <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah, but well, I'm making cool stuff. I'm making uh, this. Uh, so harcho. It's like a Georgian walnut. 
slow cooked thing, but I'm doing it with boar. So normally nice. they make it with uh, beef. So you almost make like a like a nutty curry paste thing, but it's Georgian. So you know it's like mildly spiced with blue fenugreek and stuff, and pom puree, and then some fermented shizzle to go with it. Is that a new vegetable? It's a, it's, or? It's, it's, a uh, it's a technical term. It's fresh from Natura. They got some <laughs> great shizzle on. Just fermented vegetables, and the poppy seed cake soaked in custard and vodka shots and things like that. Fantastic. Come. Um, uh, where would one go to find great food, um, or the sort of food that you cook in this country? <laughs> you're, you're doing a <laughs> shut up face. <laughs> um, uh, well, actually, there's a really classical kind of Polish uh, restaurant called Ognisko. It's um, somewhere central, Mayfairy maybe. And that's where they, uh, apparently, all of the kind of Soviet spies used to meet and stuff. Um, so that's worth that's checking one. out. Well, Dakis is one in South Kensington that is Ooh, always... Oh, I've never been, so yeah. I cannot okay. talk for that one. Uh, Baltic used to be quite good. Is that I don't Sylvana know. Row? I think so. Yeah. I've got a very soft spot for, uh, is it the patio? Patio? Uh, in what? Shepherd's Bush. I don't know what... It's absolutely mad. Is it's it great? Po- it's Polish. It's completely mad. It's like a oh. front room of some crazy Soviet aunt, like just chintz and fabric and. Is everywhere. the food good? F- fine. Yeah. The but food's it's just fine. Like crazy. You you eat it with huge amounts of vodka, and it's one of those places that you cannot have a bad night there. Amazing. Impossible. I love that. Um, just noise. I just did a little googling, and it's the sixteenth <laughs> of May, Wednesday the sixteenth. Your pop up at Quo Vadis. Tickets are available at fifty five pounds. Yes. And uh, we'll book some forthwith. And it's going to be a proper feast. And definitely, like, getting drunk thing is encouraged. I can, I can eat boar and, and drink, and that's yeah. fine. Okay. <laughs> and be a boar. That's a, gen- hey, that's a generous oh, laugh. That was a generous laugh. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, you can cut that out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they do seem kind of inextricably linked, uh, heavy drinking and good eating. Um, yeah. In that sort of cooking. Why is that? Uh, I mean, it's fun. Both are fun. That is my Simple answer. answer. <laughs> I think most you could say that about a lot of cuisines, though, couldn't you? I think it's easy to say, well, maybe because they just drink like hard spirits as opposed to wine. But there's also the whole uh, the Nazdrovia, or you know, there's the whole cheersing with each course, and there's the yeah. But if you what I'm saying, if you were doing that with wine, or you're doing that with beer or something, it probably wouldn't be as whoa, God, yeah, they drink. But the fact they do oh, it with no, vodka, Georgians, like vodka, man, vodka, vodka, vodka. Georgians. They will drink anyone. They are mad. I mean, they have like a special toastmaster who's called Tamada. So there's, it's all like proper. Mm. And all the toasting is literally. So somebody says a toast, then there's almost like a philosophical discussion. So everybody kind of like joins in, and you have this. You're just talking about the about the toast. So I, I guess it's at least it's paste because of these like super long elaborate toasts. It's kind of pasted, but they drink. So a good tamada during a wedding, which is one night, is supposed to be able to drink 16 litres of wine. It's insane. What? 16 litres of wine. The, 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 the like Toastmaster? Yeah, it's, if he's a good one, if he can do that. That sounds like the 10 cases, boys. That That's sounds impossible. It's, I know, it sounds impossible, but it's, yeah. It's, I mean, it, it's kind of like a 24-hour kind of thing, but it's still <laughs> intense. Less than a litre an hour, I could... It's yeah, intense. You, you take a run at that. Wow. 
Yeah. There's a challenge. Challenge accepted. And then they make, uh, but so they have loads of kind of dishes that are good for hangovers. Uh, so, for example, one of them is like a, um, it's just like a beef and tripe kind of broth, which is pretty amazing because literally before they go to sleep, they just, um, whatever, whenever that may be, they just throw some meat, bones, beef, whatever, tripe into a pot with water, leave it simmering super slow. By the time they kind of get up and it's pretty much ready, so it's just like a bouillon. And then they serve it with crushed garlic, vinegar, maybe herbs and salt, and then you kind of season it yourself at the table and imagine all the kind of gelatinous and salty and it's delicious. That's the trick. It's really, yeah, really, really good. The tripe gets discarded before though, yeah? Just adds its fun. What is your problem with tripe? I don't don't think I need to spell it out. I think it's the same as... I know, it's crazy, right? You just think like on a hangover, you want some tripe? Mm. It's delicious. It's just like nice, Honeycomb texture. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, yeah, that kind of vibe. Okay. You cut it into pieces. Yeah, that I'm on board with. What is the, you can leave it out as well. Uh, and apologies, because I appreciate this is super ignorant, but what's the sort of spicing the herbs in, say, Ukrainian cuisine? You know, the, the ones that you'd pick as being, oh, that's a real go-to. Yeah. So Ukrainian cuisine... Uh, we we are very much kind of amazing ingredient led uh, cuisine, so not many spices in fact. So it's all kind of about the amazing pork that you've got or an amazing tomato or whatever. Like you're not masking it with anything. Although we do love caraway, I guess coriander seed, uh, ginger in the borscht, juniper, juniper berries. It always goes into like the broth or whatever borscht you're making not always sometimes um so yeah th- these are kind of like the the spices really right. but of course ukraine is diverse and you've yeah, got tatas sure, yeah. and you know all sorts of kind of uh different branches of it uh but georgians do love their spices uh and one of the most amazing ones that they have is blue fenugreek that's different from mm. indian fenugreek it's uh, it doesn't have that bitterness and it's kind of like it's almost tastes like a num like a combination of spices together, like some kind mm. of a masala thing. But it's just one spice. It's great, and they use loads of uh, marigold um, and stuff like that. Azerbaijan, they love saffron and sumac and all of the kind of Middle Eastern suspects. And what ingredients suspects. do you find yourself most going back to, reaching for, repeating? Uh, in terms of spices. Just, I mean, generally, just in terms well, of general. I suppose it often is spices and seasonings that one as a cook kind of feels drawn to. Currently, yeah. <laughs> I have a little thing for cumin. Yeah. Last year it was coriander seed, and this year I've moved on to the slightly body odorish cumin. Yeah, I, do, I, I must say I do love a bit of coriander. Um, but ingredient-wise, I just, I don't know, I just love garlic. And I love... And I love lardo. So, like, Ukrainians make a type of lardo called salo. And that is something that I use quite a lot, especially breakfast, kind of. So you just put a bit of lardo in the pan, Mm. start it off. Like, the tomato's coming in, so this is a good recipe. Then you get your, like, sourdough or, like, some nice bread situation. Fry it in this lardo, then push it to the sides. And then you put, like, really nice, ripe, like, rings of tomatoes in and crack eggs in. And then, so the bread is kind of just hovering around. Right. And then inside you've got this tomato, lardo and egg situation going on. And then at the end you just grate a little bit of raw garlic and then that like on top. And okay. like some herbs, like dill, coriander, 
That sounds way better than the trite broth to me. Is that? <laughs> I was going to say it sounds way better to me than like a normal, like a shakshuka thing, which is always a bit like meh. It's nice. I like shakshuka. Yeah, it's fine, but but, but it's, you it's throw some lardo in there, then yeah, 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 raising the bar a little bit. And then imagine, oh, like all of that bread has got like the lardiness, and everything's mm. got a bit of lardiness. Well, you Life go to a, with you sure. go to a restaurant, and I mean, I think they even do it at Patio, the Polish place, and you just instead of getting a pot of butter, you get a pot of masala mm. to put on your bread. Yeah, like with, the with spreadable, bits in it. the spreadable stuff. Oh my god, it's amazing. That's in my third book for sure. I'm putting it in. Is there so there's a third book on the way? Yes, and that's uh, basically I'm going back to Ukraine. So if Mamushka was kind of a family family recipes and reflected just the stuff that I grew up with, but obviously Ukraine is a massive country, bigger than France. Yeah. And even without Crimea, it's still bigger than France and uh, really quite regional. You can have it, Vlad. Yeah, no, I'm not even saying Anyway. Uh, yeah, and it's it's big and it's got a variety of landscapes and obviously the cuisine is as regional as, you know, mm. any other country, really. Um, so I'm travelling all around it and collecting recipes and it's all through the prism of these summer kitchens, basically, which are amazing. Mm. So when I mentioned it three years ago to my editor, and just fleetingly, she was just like, wait, 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 hold up, what's this summer kitchen thing? Um, and uh, basically, in this, I think it started in the 50s, a couple would get married and they would just build this brick or clay kind of structure, like a mini, build, not a building really, it's just, it's just a, I don't know how to describe it, even like a structure. And inside would be uh, a kitchen and you would put like a bench or, I don't know, a bed for them. And that's where they would start their life. And then they would, and that would be kind of in April when warmth comes in and it's warm until October. And then they'd build the bigger house and plant everything around. It's so romantic yeah. and lovely. And then every summer when it's super, super hot, that's where life would kind of move. So you don't have to clean the big house and they didn't have air cons. And then all of the cooking and then all of the pickling and fermenting, whatever happens in there in September. Yeah. So it's just such a lovely thing, and sadly that's, they're that's disappearing. Super brave, though. You get married, then you have to build basically a shed <laughs> when you just got married, and then live in a shed with your missus or your husband or whatever, and being like, "Yeah, married, <laughs> married life's great. We live in a shed, and you know, we're real close, close quarters." But I remember that they'd be working be all day, dude. Like yeah, they'd, yeah, be, okay. they'd be building the house and doing loads of shit, and then at the end, you just my you wife know. and I wouldn't last that. How long did they have to be there? April till. Like six months or something. No, we wouldn't have got that. Even in the in the first flush of marriage, you've no. been together for. Yeah. We've been together for too long before two we got kids married. Three, two kids. Well, you see, in two Ukraine, kids. it'd be like super fresh. Okay. You'd, especially back then, you'd probably like have sex for the first time, you know, in the summer kitchen. Or in something. the shed. Yeah. So you know, it's. I mean, I'm calling it shed. You called it structure. It sounds like a shed <laughs> with an oven in it. It's not. It's not quite a shed because sheds are normally a bit wooden and flimsy. This is like a solid, solid. like mini house, basically, but just one room. With windows and the door and but a proper like, little roof. It's like a really, and I don't mean this in any way offensive, but you know how stressful it is putting together IKEA furniture? Yeah. As a married couple, you, you know, you've lost the bit yeah. to the Billy bookshelf and you're <laughs> cursing your partner. But to actually build a brick structure, you know, laying bricks and whatnot. I think it's very therapeutic. It's, it's incredible. Like, what an amazing... You would you would definitely feel like, oh, we can achieve anything if we can get through this. We you can know, build this. If we can build this Billy Bookshelf. Yeah, solid as a rock. Yeah. Uh, do you and your partner build much? <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> 
Uh, we well, if we ever have the space ever, which I'm not sure if that will ever happen, uh, we would love to have a little summer kitchen. Yes, probably Sounds ideal. build it ourselves, but not very London uh, friendly yeah, summer kitchen. On. You know, no, you could build a shed in the garden. Live in that in the summer. It's not a shared structure. <laughs> build a structure in the garden. <laughs> I know, I feel like I've just absolutely <laughs> just taken a massive swing. Is the book going to be called Summer there. Kitchen? Huh? Is the book going to be called Summer Kitchen? Summer Kitchens, yeah. Yeah, nice. That's, so a, good, that's a good name. That's a, yeah. What an incredible thing. And they are disappearing, thing, and people are, you know, because they can afford air cons now, and, you know, you kind of, they're turning them into, like, dog kernels or shed, like, where storage space or just getting rid of them although you know since the conflict in ukraine happened i went to this town and somebody was saying well you know what now that vlad has like fucked up the whole gas situation we might actually stay in the summer kitchen in winter yeah because it's much easier to heat it i'm now slightly fantasizing about the idea of having a little yurt yeah i'm not i'm not i'm not anti the idea you don't have have to to live there in the summer you just literally just cook there because yeah in the summer you you still sleep in your house that's but you but basically it kind of um gets rid of the whole hassle of cleaning it you kind of just like variety in the house and that's yeah and also variety and for kids it's so nice so you know wake up in the morning when i was little you know, hop across yeah. the courtyard into the little summer kitchen, breeze, you know, little curtains yeah. flapping in the air. Mom leaves, like, a massive bowl of, like, freshly picked strawberries from the garden. Ah, oh, real picture you're painting there. It's quite, it's quite I know. something. I know, I um, know. <laughs> uh, is it just the one, one kid you got? <laughs> I nearly picked up the mic to drink it. <laughs> Taxi. <laughs> Tell me. Uh, is it just the one you've just got a little boy mm-hmm. and is he uh, well he must be an adventurous eater if he's rolling down with borscht and ginger uh, yeah he just turned six actually yesterday which is Happy quite birthday. scary and uh, yeah been crying all last week um, he is well, uh, crying with over excitement about the birthday in- <laughs> No. How, how, oh, you've been crying. How old are your kids? Uh, yes. I thought you said he was just crying all week. And... No, I was crying all week. Uh, how old are your kids again? Uh, three and seven months, and then Sam's got a forty-year-old. Eh? <laughs> no, my, my, my eldest daughter is seventeen. I mean, fortunately, there's no way in a million years she would ever listen to this. She sometimes hear me. I'm not saying she looks forty. I'm saying <laughs> you are old. I know, but you know the way it came out. She could definitely read it that way, and she would. Um, no, she sometimes hears me editing this on a Sunday or sat in the kitchen. She, she just, just like, honestly, the, the look fuck? on her face. What the fuck are you doing? Because I sit there giggling. Like she's like, oh, James Ramsden's so funny. <laughs> Does she mock me? No, she mocks me yeah. far more than she mocks you. Fair enough. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, anyway, scary when kids grow up, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's fine now. I'm over it. Um, but, um, yeah, he's he's a great eater. So he's, his dad is originally from kind of Thai, Thailand, Laos. Grew up in England. But um, he's, so he's one, he, one grandma of his is, you know, cooks Thai food. And then my mom is Ukrainian, so he's got... That's so cool. He's and got, then he lives here, so he's going to... He's just, like, super citizen of the world. Nice. Yeah. Probably open a pretty grim fusion restaurant. <laughs> but I'd love reading about... Well, if it's natural to him, it for might sure, not yeah. be grim. It might yeah. actually be not, like, yeah. just trying to put it, shit together for no reason, yeah. but more like, oh. And if, and if somebody didn't know his background and took a swing at him, like, what? how dare you combine how these two things? I'm so, so happy Ukrainian. Meet, meet my grannies. <laughs> yeah. Well, that Scully uh-huh. play sounds really cool. Um, he, and his background, he's got, like, a million different sort of... 
heritage is knocking around in his genes. Oh, really? Yeah. But the first meat that he's ever tried was chicken gizzards. There's another one for you. Really? Yeah. My, out of a soup. My mom made soup and then I gave it to him. He still didn't have any teeth, just sucking on it. That was the first Loved meat, really? It was really? really tender, so he was just like... Oh. Yeah, I love a gizzard. Yeah, gizzards are great. I don't know whether I've had a gizzard. Yeah, you've had, had a gizzard. gizzard. Salad Lyonnaise. Oh, for sure. I love a gizzard. Yeah, see? It's <laughs> all about the gizzard. And is, is he, has he continued on that f- sort of trajectory of intrepid manging? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know how kids are, and they have their moments. Uh, but overall, he's, uh, he's yeah, an excellent eater. Loves his things with tentacles, especially squid and octopus and things. It's his favourite thing. Yeah, they are good, but apparently they're very clever. So well, feels... that's what people keep saying, and it's just like, okay, fine. If you know, if that's how we're gonna be going on about the whole ethical situation, then stop eating meat. Yeah, like pigs are pretty damn clever too. Then pigs stop are, eating yeah. lard. Also, what are you gonna do? An, are you gonna not do an IQ test on yeah. all animals and then just have it? Like, yeah, like oh, so it's dumb. So like, I yeah. can eat it then. If you see, yeah, I mean, you I mean, they really... say that octopuses are particularly yeah, almost that, alien yeah, kind that. of clever. Yeah, we have this. We've had an on-running thing on here that probably squid anywhere sort of plotting to take over the world or already run the world from the depths of yeah, the Yeah, because they don't let humans to study them. They just no. always fuck about and like, yeah. they just... Yeah, and you see some stuff that the octopus did you see on the new blue planet know, and the one who covers himself know, with all the shells and whatnot. It's so tasty. Yeah, I, t- I did start uh, He does that to tenderise himself. Ambrook, he thought it was hiding, but actually it was just like, it's like a sort of self-marination. <laughs> He, uh, did, I did try and not eat octopus for a while, but it is too delicious. It's too so delicious. I struggled but to maybe we should... But do I do actually get... Now I would say I get far more frustrated when it's bad, octopus. Lazy. Like, oh, you know, I'm... You know, it hurts me more than it hurts the octopus, I think, to like eat it. So, eating a divine, so if it some sucks, kind of a divine creature. Yeah. But, you know, pigs are clever as well, but maybe if you see a stupid pig, then you could eat that one. Dumb pig. Yeah, you see one, like, walk into a tree or something. You're like, right, game over. <laughs> <laughs> had quite an interesting cruel, had quite an interesting chat with a chef last week and I'm, I won't name them just in case this was sort of you know said flippantly off the record but he was talking about a breed of pig that they have on their menu and he's like oh we've got the X breed pork chop it's really popular and he basically was like it doesn't make a fucking difference that it's that breed but as soon as you stick the breed on people are like oh but it's a mm, pig it's not Super just rare. yeah, yeah. It wasn't even that rare. It was like putting <laughs> Oxford Sandy and Black on it, or a middle white. It's like that's about the most standard pig in the game. Yeah, the most standard pig in the game can be the episode title. Yeah. Um, but yeah, octopuses. It's, it's one of those. They're one of those ingredients that if they're done badly, are disgraceful. Not like oh, it's tough. And no one put a cork in the braising liquor. But nice. when they have, when the cook hasn't bothered to take off all that gross jelly stuff. Or do you like the gross jelly? I don't stuff? mind the jelly. I don't mind stuff. the jelly, especially if you grill it as well. And if you leave that jelly stuff on, you get the little bits of skin, and it kind of chars a bit. Yeah, of poached. Like I'm not so. I love to poach it and then grill it. That's yeah, yeah. how you get the crispy and the lovely, yeah, yeah. and none of the jelly stuff. Yeah, but if you leave the, what I mean is, if you poach it and then you leave the, some of the jelly stuff on, and then you bar, you grill it with that on, then it sort of catches and caramelizes a bit. I think that stuff's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. If you do that, it's fine. Yeah. I'll, yeah, uh, Um, uh, you're, I, I know you don't have all the time in the world, so do say when no, you need to okay. go. No, it's okay, this is fun. Well, as long as, uh, what time is it? I need to put Sasha to bed. It's but six it's o'clock. Like, yeah, it's fine. Okay. 
Um, your, I don't know if this is, if this is a betraying a confidence, then we can cut it. But your other half is a vegetarian. He is, yeah. Does that give you sort of um, easy meat-free Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays? Or does uh, he get his dinner and you get yours? No, no, we eat together. Um, Sash gets kind of like more meaty stuff. Uh, I'm quite cool with eating mostly vegetables. Mm. And then I eat meat <clears throat> when I go to... McDonald's. McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, restaurants. Or, or, you know, I do cook meat sometimes at home. Uh, but I don't mind it, you know. I couldn't give up meat, like especially meat, like especially animal fat. Yeah. Like the whole larder thing. I can't live without it. I don't think it's got too many triggers, like memories. and So... You could probably make the argument ethically that the animal fat is such a byproduct that it's it's either getting wasted or it's it's okay to yeah I don't know I don't know but he's amazing Uh, he's an amazing cook and he cooks meat and fish for us expertly and like the seasoning is always perfect I'm just like how the fuck do you do this yeah. Well, he's a food photographer, so he watches a lot oh, of cooking. Oh, he used to be a chef as well. I mean, he's a trained oh, chef. Oh, did he? Right. I, mean, oh, I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, I really... Uh, well, maybe I've forgotten uh, that. What Where, a lucky woman. And is he going to shoot your next book, or do you keep a separation? No, no, yeah, he is. Uh, I'm going to have Elena, who shot Caucasus, to do the kitchens and the people, and Joe is going to shoot the food. She's like, yeah, going to be quite a nice collaboration. Is, it, is that the first time? Yeah, so you, you're all going to go travelling together to... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we're going in June, which is yeah, kind of scary. It's going to be intense time. And bringing Sasha? No, he, well, he's going to come to Ukraine, but he's going to stay with my parents. Oh, awesome. Which is quite nice. So yeah. he'll get, like, the first kind of warm cucumbers from the vine and oh, sour nice. cherries and picking... When he was little, he used to... So my, my parents have an orchard, and in autumn, you know, we'd be walking around the orchard and then... Like, look at the apples, and then there'd just be, like, teeth marks everywhere. So she'd just walk around and, like, bite the lower hanging ones and then just leave them on. That was fun. No, that's <laughs> a good move, that. Yeah. People think, this, people think there's been a massive wasp just flying around, <laughs> terrifying <laughs> the village. <laughs> don't, don't, don't go to the Ukraine. There's wasps the size of tennis balls. Yeah. But, yeah, it should be fun. So we're going to western Ukraine and kind of the Belarusian border and somewhere central maybe if we have time uh, but yeah it's kind of it's quite scary actually it's like with mamushka it was you know it's my family and it's my mm. family recipes and I'm completely kind of just the responsibilities on it's my shit so it's fine with Ukraine and also with Caucasus with the second book I was just I was really actually quite nervous because you're representing trying to represent a country and I don't know I felt like a big weight of responsibility but people are happy, I think, and loads of Georgians and Azerbaijanis are happy. And uh, actually, there are a couple of recipes and caucuses that, you know, that are not like mega common. So, like, there's this one dish called Sirdakh, which is so you get loads of ghee and then literally like a whole head of garlic sliced thinly, and then you mellow it out, you kind of cook it in the ghee, and then aubergines and tomatoes, like really nice, you know, uh, ripe tomatoes. And you cook all of that, and aubergines and butter, like, really, really nice. So really yeah. simple dish, and then you finish it off with purple basil, dill, or normal basil, and coriander, and, you know, it's just such a lovely dish. And apparently a lot of us Azerbaijanis didn't know about it. That strikes me as a, a very, like, clever way of doing 
an unusual combo with really standard ingredients. Like everyone goes olive oil aubergine. I've never, it's never occurred to me. No, because I think everyone freaks out, don't they, about, oh, it just soaks it up and gets greasy. And it's like, well, no, but if you're going for that texture or whatever, that velvety, yeah. can be yeah, delicious. it soaks up the butter. What's wrong with that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's super velvety and, like, yeah, it's have you rolled Have you rolled some lardo with the uh, old obes? <laughs> no lardo for that one. It's just literally a shit ton of uh, butter <laughs> that goes into I'm going to cook some aubergines and butter next time I'm... Uh... Try, this, try this dish, honestly, as soon as, t- like, nice tomatoes are out and about. Try it. It's uh, nice so are you, are you with bread. Are you rice cooking or... the tomatoes? Yeah, yeah. You cook the okay. tomatoes. Everything just kind of becomes. You still have like they use the baby aubergines and in, in the the woman that told me, but they're a bit shit in this country. So just go for normal aubergine chopped up. Are you a bit of an uh, ingredient snob then? Uh, n- not a snob, but I do. I definitely care about in- ingredients and where they come from and how they've been, kind of, uh, you know. Raised is not the right word. <laughs> <Grown>. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, grown produced. Produced, cared for, blah. <clears throat> I think it, it makes a huge difference in the food that you make. Where do you shop? Uh, oh, well, they're going to love that. Um, uh, for kind of vegetables, we do farm drop. Yeah. Which are lovely. Uh, they're really lovely. And Haven't um, sponsored us yet, but we'll hit them up. We'll hit them up now. <laughs> We're going to just... And great stuff. That, repeat like, that all the way through and then charge them for it. Things like sorrel that are in, you know, like nettles and oh, just pretty, some yeah. weird, well, kind of supposedly weird stuff. Like, they, well, they come in your veg box. Yeah. And it, and they're very Ukrainian things, all of this like sorrel and nettle stuff. So And I can't find it anywhere. Well, actually, also Victoria Market has got a really great organic veg guy who also has like massive boxes of sorrel and you know really like seasonal organic things so he's great as well hey yeah, I can't remember the, sorry the name I'll find it and I'll sort of uh, cut your voice up and charge him too a meat uh, just um, oh god what the hell are they called there's a butchers on Broadway's market don't know that's his manner What's the Broadway butchers? Market, the butchers? Uh, Hill and Shrock Hill and Shrock that's it sorry yeah. I always forget yeah Hill and Shrock they're amazing so I get meat from them and fish, just our local uh, fishmonger. And while we're doing um, sort of tips, I suppose, if that's Broadway Market, where do you, not necessarily eat you know, Georgian or Ukrainian food, but where? what's your favourite restaurants at the moment in London? Uh, right, so my favourites... Is Pigeon, and second uh, favourite is Magpie. And then, but after that... Pigeon is amazing. I been? actually haven't been. I know. I don't think <laughs> any of my guests have ever been. <laughs> <laughs> no one's been. No, it's amazing that they, they're they willing to turn up and do the podcast, though. They must, it must just be because of your cookbooks. Oh, Mine. Come. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's got Love Your Lunchbooks somewhere in their house. Yeah. Um... I, I have to go to Pigeon. I haven't been yet, uh, but I'm sure it's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, terrible. It's fine. <laughs> um, uh, then I love 40 Mulby Street. I love Duck Soup, Little Duck, that whole situation there. Um, who else? Is Joe still involved with Towpath? Towpath, yes. Yeah. Fucking amazing! Yeah. I love them. That's my favorite place to go and have. It's a happy place. He's not. He, he shoots for them, but he doesn't cook there anymore. But he used to cook for them as well. Would cook with them. Yeah. Yeah. So Laura is is an amazing one of the best. I think. Is she the oh, she's the cook now. Who's the nice American woman? Uh, the owner. Is she the owner, right? Yeah. Because La- I- yeah. Right. Laura. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she's great. 
I went there with my children the other day, um, and well, my wife was at yoga, and the little one was having absolute meltdown. <gasps> and so I just left Tom sitting there, my three-year-old, with a bunch of strangers, and like, and Laura kind of keeping an eye on him as I tried to walk Nora up and down the canal to get her to sleep. Oh, I love the And name. they were just all adorable. You know, all these strange people, and you know, Laura just sort of bringing Tom toast, buttering his toast for him, and a jam, and no. he's sitting there like a little fat Lord Fauntleroy. <laughs> it's great. I, tell, I, I admire that so much because I'm so paranoid. I wouldn't leave. I wouldn't leave my 17 year old in a cafe. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, it, and if somebody started buttering her toast, then there'd be some serious issues. But my yeah, no, my five year old and um, eight year old, I wouldn't. I'd just be petrified. What of her getting abducted? Yeah, something I'll just dreadful. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, which I, I know it's dreadful, but it's. Uh, I suppose if you have that sort of your area, though, isn't it? You know, and you yeah, probably and know I, people and blah blah blah. So and I wouldn't have done I it in a slightly different. Oh, yeah, and I wouldn't have done it in a cafe on Mare Street. You know, it's in a subway. It, or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> like, just leave them by the canal. You know, <laughs> yeah. I was just walking. You know, I was walking a hundred yards up and yeah. back. You know, it, it wasn't. It wasn't a massive risk. Yeah. But yeah, love Sorry, those no, kind of places. Uh, by the way, I wasn't implying that you were a bad parent. I feel you were. No, I, I wasn't. I was. I was. I was dissing myself. Are you a bad parent? <laughs> uh, oh wow! So I think I'm a pretty good one. I, you know, it's quite it's, a... we have moments, but I think overall I try to be fun, and I do have like that kind of Soviet thing that I learned from my mom, where you just like look at a kid and they shut up. But I'm lucky because Sash is actually quite chilled out. So I don't know, actually. He's he's all right, Sash. He's quite easygoing. Mela, yeah, if you have easygoing kids, I think it's quite so easy. So if I have more, who knows how it's going to turn. But so far, he's just been really fun. And he loves doing fun stuff. And he loves adult company, which is quite handy because we can just have kind of dinners and parties. And he's just like, you know, everybody loves him. He's just like, yeah, it's my son. Vital. Um, and outside of London, because I feel like we always, in our heads, everyone who listens to the podcast is in London, but actually, you know, South Korea, Afghanistan, uh, Suriname, Canada, big in Canada. Canada. Uh, oh, Ukraine, you I can, you Ukraine, I can give you some pointers. If you go to Kiev, uh, Lviv is amazing as well as a city, but I don't know many restaurants there. But L- Kiev, if you go, go to this place called Kanapa. Uh, it's great. How are you spelling that? K A N A P A. You know what we should do on the blurb? We should put links to stuff you know that people have said. That would be That'd very be good, useful. And then we can charge them. <laughs> <laughs> and go for like if you do go to Kanapa, go for the more actually. So they're a little bit like you know trying with the you know presentation and things okay. like that. But actually go for kind of trad recipes like borscht. Their right. borscht is next level. So it's with uh, like dried smoked pears and like infused awesome. with. Yeah, so it's got that smoky, like pruny almost. Oh, that sounds amazing. And uh, pig's ears and stuff. So it's fucking delicious. Sweet. Really yeah. good. Rate it. Borscht is one of those um, dishes that is um, semi divisive, isn't it, in terms of what constitutes a correct borscht? Yeah. Uh, so another uh, little. Cat meat pigeons. <laughs> Another plug. Uh, I wrote about it for the New Yorker and uh, researched it for that article really quite vigorously. And it's just a f- fucking amazing dish. 
and really diverse. Uh, so I have this chart at home that I've kind of composed and there's at least kind of, I mean, there are some blocks, you know, there's obviously Beatrice, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but overall, from all of the different recipes that I've researched, you get about 60 ingredients that can vary on, the, in, you know, depending on region, season. And there's some really incredible stuff that, especially from the south of Ukraine, where I, where I come from. So they used to, uh, we have these little fish called gobi, gobies um, from the Sea of Azov and the Black Sea. Uh, when you deep fry them, they kind of taste like red mullet. They taste quite crustacean-y, if you know what I mean, like yeah. really tasty. Yeah, gamey. Yeah. Sweet sort of thing. Really sweet, really sweet fish. So apparently, back in the day, they used to dry them, uh, <laughs> like gut them and dry them. And then they would pulverize it into a powder. So you basically have this incredible, like, almost Japanese in its essence, I don't know, That's like cool. fish powder. And then you, you'd add that to season your borscht in, uh, in winter. Like they a dashi, did, like a, what's it called? Um, yeah, like the... I can't remember the, that. The, oh, no. the tuna. The, 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 Mahama. The, no, the not, fla- not the fla- fla- Benito. Benito. Yes, that's yeah. it. So yeah. I got Mahama on the bread. But like powder kind of uh, yeah. thing. And then um, they would also dry... So we have these incredible tomatoes in, in Ukraine. Really, like, better than anything that I've tried in Italy, I think. Sorry, Italians. I've lived in Italy. Love it. They, but, will, um, they will not get over that. No, they will not. But country. we have, we do have amazing tomatoes, <laughs> which sadly don't travel anywhere because they are so just like explode. Um, back in the day, especially, they used to have small ones because there was not much water in my area. So they'd be like intensely sweet, small tomatoes, and they would dry them, so sun dry them, literally, and then also make kind of a powder, pulverize them as well. And that also could be added in winter to borscht. Another thing that would actually make a fermented tomato passata kind of thing. So you'd get like tomato juice, put a little bit of salt in just enough to get it started kind of bubbling. So imagine adding a little bit of that to your borscht. And it's, you know, it's all about sweet, sour, salty. It's that kind of thing that you're trying to balance it and, uh, you know, finish it off sometimes with aged salo, so aged pork fat, basically. Mm. It's too strong to have it... You know, normally you'd have rye bread, salo, a shot of vodka, and like a fermented tomato or something like from, like some kind of a pickle. Uh, when it becomes aged or old, I mean, I say aged, really, it's just like the shit that you forgot about in the cellar. Yeah. <laughs> it's too strong to have it on its own, but uh, bash together with some raw garlic and salt and just add a spoonful of that to borscht at the very end, just stir it through. It's amazing. So yeah, bo- I'm like, yeah, yeah, as you can see, I'm very enthusiastic about the borscht. <laughs> you might... <laughs> You must be the cliche uh, guest here. <laughs> yeah. Turned up swinging vodka, banging on my horse, <laughs> wearing a fluffy hat. She's got rye bread in her hair. Yeah. It's embarrassing. Okay, the fluffy hat is Russian. Oh, yeah, sorry, my bad. Yeah, Unbelievable. <laughs> what is the national dress of Ukraine? Mm. Just a gorgeous. A beer hat, but it's vodka. No, no. actually. Well, the boys. It's casual have racism. A, it's, it's all about the embroidery, isn't it? So it's like yeah. really intense gorgeous embroidery of all sorts i've just um, looked at our stats by the way and we have no listeners in ukraine until so. now but exactly <laughs> this goes out we're going to be huge turning point. Um, i'll put it up on my uh, profile link and instagram which is at olia hercules i was going to do that i was going to give you that i thought it was olia's gastronomy so, um, no that's my twitter which i don't uh, use like twitter okay whatever don't care okay
should we appreciate your time as you have a yeah. child to put to bed? Uh, we occasionally do a quick fire with our guest. So do you, are you up for what's, doing quick fire? What's quick fire? So you ask me some weird question. And question, then question, question. Yeah, okay. answer oh, quickly. God. But, but oh, this but, is so stressful. But but you can you can take longer to explain your answer if you'd like to. You, know, okay. you, you don't have to do it really quick, but some of them might be quick. Yeah. Do you have yeah. any, or you you don't have me? No, I didn't get around to that. Thanks, mate. Uh, okay, are you ready? <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, strawberries or raspberries? Oh. Not quite far enough for me, though. Oh, okay, okay, let's start again. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> strawberries. Yeah, so that's wise. Uh, stone fruit or stone bass? Stone fruit. Even though I'm allergic to it. Ah, oh, this really? is weird. <laughs> Are you allergic to stone fruit? Yeah, well, what's how many stone times bass? do you have to have this conversation? <laughs> what is stone bass? Is that just a name for like it's rock? It's kind of sea something? bass. They're big, they're slightly big, and they've got some like dark, uh, scaly skin. So, yeah. allergic to stone fruit, so I wish that I could still have stone fruit. Okay. But I can't. So, you're going to have to eat that stone bass. So no, maybe... I'd be with Olya. I'd still take stone fruit, but I can't eat it raw. You? What? Stone no, fruit. I can't. I'm allergic. Is that what you have? Yeah. What the fuck? Nightmare. And lo- root veg, a uh, load of things I can't eat raw. Man, it's like, or but if you put acidity on it, does that help? It's you know what. Sometimes I just get away with it, and I'll just think, fuck it, I'll eat it, and it's fine. And sometimes <sighs> oh, I think, fuck it, I'll eat it, and I end up trying to make myself sick on London Fields. Yeah. There's salmon so That was that was strong. Standing okay. standing behind a tree going. Okay, I mean, we talked about stone fruit and stone bass quite a lot. We sort of burst the bubble of the next question. Was sort of it was a follow-on, oh, uh, which was uh, the Rolling Stones or the Stone Roses. Ooh, stone Rolling Stones. Yeah, that's probably the right call. Oh shit! Uh, Favorite pancake topping? Uh, butter and mm, sugar or maple syrup. Uh, Marmite, good or evil? Good. Uh, the thing that everyone loves to eat that you couldn't care less about? Avocados. Yeah, nice. <laughs> That's brilliant. So quick uh, as well. Okay, this question, I was umming and ahhing on leaving it in because I've never met you before and I was thinking, oh, I don't know, is she fun? Is she going to be a bit boring? <laughs> this question could go one way or the other. Still could go one way or the other, but okay. I'm willing to roll that dice because I've had a bottle and a half of Savannah Dry. Nice, nice. Uh, if you had to... And a bottle of vodka at lunch. <laughs> uh, if you had to, you've got to eat... A cat or a dog? <laughs> Which are you eating? Oh fuck! <laughs> Am I t- talking about who I care about, or you, you've got to eat one the or the taste. other? I mean, you've got to weigh all, the, all this up. It's a big I, question. I like dogs, so I think I'm just have to eat a cat. Unbelievable! Uh, you heard it here first that <laughs> Ollie Hercules wants to eat a cat. Uh, oh, swimming no. in a pool or swimming in the sea? Sea. Uh, sting or Shaggy? Sting. What about Sting and Shaggy's collaborative <laughs> album that's just come out? It sounds amazing. Oh my god, I, I read a review of it today. Some of the lyrics are unbelievable. I don't know them, I'll get them for next week. Unicorns or centaurs? Centaurs. Uh, butter or oil? Butter. Favourite dried herb? Tarragon. Oh. Dried tarragon. It's that the only know. one that tastes good when it's dried. Dried oregano. Yeah, oregano. Oh shit, yeah. And the Greeks jar. put that on everything. Yeah. No, t- Tarragon works. It's nice. okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then the final part of the quickfire is the overrated, underrated, or correctly rated. Mm-hmm. Uh, pizza. Correctly rated. Washing vegetables. Overrated. Yes. 
Do you wash all your vegetables? No. Yes. Sweet. I wash some. I mean, you kind of like kill the bacteria, especially if you kill it, uh, cook it. If you it. cook it, yeah. But yeah, I'm not because well, not... I was putting that because I rarely wash anything, and uh, <laughs> it's good for you. It's, yourself, you know, it's, it's good for your metabolism and um, what's it called? Well, it depends if it's been sprayed with other crap. Well, that's I don't know. Those kind of vegetables. I bet you don't. <laughs> uh, apples. Overrated, underrated, or correctly rated? In other words, how do you like them apples? Yeah. Uh, allergic. It's raw. Uh, okay, so massively <laughs> overrated. Uh, no. They're okay in a salad with, like, dressing. Uh, I, correctly rated. I mean, they're great. Yeah, especially when they're, like, super, super taste. Okay. Actually, I went to New York, the, the Hudson the Valley, apple. and went apple picking and did not have an allergic reaction, and they were fucking amazing. Who did you pick apples with? With some people from Sabur. Oh, right. But you don't know which the, what, what farm you're on. Dubois. Ah, I've got cousins with an apple farm over upstate oh, New York. Man. Wouldn't that Next be weird time. if that was your... Would have been. I was going to say Zachary Pletcher. <laughs> <laughs> Old Dubbin. <laughs> that was cool. Yeah. That was cool. like an like amazing apple experience. Yeah, apples definitely... Good. I don't know whether I've ever had an amazing correct. apple experience. I mean, I love an apple. I love an apple dessert. Like picked freshly, like, pss, like juice spraying in your eyes and stuff. It's yeah. To yeah. other people's eyes. It's great. Most of the time I... I I'm not too fussed about my allergy, but I miss more than anything eating a cold, crunchy apple. Yeah. Makes me sad. I I grieve for it. (laughs) Please continue. What happened to Uh, us, man? I think think it was already innate in me, and then I did a raw vegan diet for two weeks for an article for Waitrose magazine, and I think that tipped me over the edge. Fuck. Yeah. I had it after I I gave birth to my son. Really? Yeah. I've never heard of that. He injected some kind of a weird... Is that a thing? Do you know? Asian thing. Huh? Do you know of that happening with other people no. getting an allergy? No. Yeah. Could have been. It could have been a weird episode, sort of like the X Files or something. And more like House. You're you're a different person now. They like swapped you out. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Well, or House. Or House. Yeah. yeah. Could have been House. Uh, white pepper. Oh, underrated. Yes. These are all quite personal to me. I just want people to agree with me, but. Underrated, I think. I think. Underrated. Yeah, it's a bit musky, and it's like it's mm. yeah, you're gonna you gotta know use it in the right way. I think in the right way, yeah. yeah. But it's definitely very interesting, and yeah. people should use it more. Uh, tofu. Overrated, but also I'm coming round to it now. Because my husband, when he cooks it, he makes it crispy and it's going to... Actually, he's got these tofu sausages that's like, are deliciously <laughs> oh, they, processed oh, and really? delicious. So I like those, but yeah. in general, just a bit overrated, maybe. Yeah, I think it's overrated because I think a lot of people eat tofu now. You know, they're like, oh, yeah, tofu's great. Tofu, yeah, tofu's fine. It's, but it's like... It's okay. It's, it's it, rarely, like, stellar, is it? You're never like, ah, oh, yeah, tofu. I, but you're talking about tofu as an in and of itself thing, but as an ingredient, if you know what to do with it, it's underrated. Yeah, yeah. But, but that's what I'm saying is I think oh, we've now difficult. moved past that of people not knowing what to do with it. I think people know you can put tofu in things, you use tofu, <laughs> and it's fine. Yeah, it's people nice. know you can put it in What's things. What's the nutritional value in I don't know if anybody cares about that, but, mm-hmm. like, I mean, if you ha- don't have to... But, like, there's, big... a, there's a... Well, there's a you, it's, it's one of the biggest sources of protein in the world. Oh, is it? well, that showed me. It's tofu. Okay. But also, but the big claim to fame is, well, you, can, you can make it crispy. 
Right, well, you can, you can make anything like, yeah. loads of like delicious dressing on it yeah. and then it absorbs it and then it's yeah, kind of which nice. is why I think you know that's what I'm saying I think we kind of moved past it being oh yeah no it's really underrated you can do all these things with it and now actually I just think it's overrated not saying you'd rather have a steak but I'm saying there must be other things you'd rather have like yeah. a, a vegetable I'm, I'm, I'm torn I'm torn no, you're hero to zero for tofu just then <laughs> please <laughs> no? I, 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 okay uh, Argus Oh, motherfucker. What? Sorry, no. Argus are overrated, I think. Only because I did, like, a styling job one day and the only thing that I had was an argon and the motherfucker just broke was, up with me. Was that a place in uh, Spitalfields? Isn't there some beautiful house? It was actually out of London somewhere, uh, like, nice house. It was, yeah. Argus are idiotic. Well, that was going to say idiotic <laughs> inventions, but they're not. They, they were invented by a blind man. Um, so that he could cook, so he didn't have to twizzle knobs and know how hot things were. I feel were. really bad now. No, you don't feel bad. I think that's the that's why they're actually impractical for everyday use. They're, they're very practical. If you can't see what you're doing, the argument's pretty good. I mean, they're romantically, so like, bl- I love the idea blind, of it, but... Great. If you're blind or, or, or say idiotic things like, oh, but the dog likes them, or they keep the house warm, which so does central heating, and it doesn't cost you £16,000 to put yeah. in... And millions of pounds a year to run. Um, then yeah, our, our, we had a house when we were, I used to be in a band, and we all lived in this house. So we had this sort of house like the monkeys, oh rock and roll, did it? But it had a Rayburn in it, you know, basically an Arga. Mm. And that house was hotter than the sun in the summer. The minute the temperature got above freezing, pretty much, the house was just the hottest place on earth. You just had the back door open to try and keep the heat down. Well, you got to turn that thing off in the summer. But then what do we cook on? My, well, my in-laws have got a Rayburn, dear God. Yeah, oh, it's oh absolute garbage. I mean, they look impressive, but they are garbage. They don't look that impressive. Well, they look more impressive than, like, a little electric that. hob. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so does yeah, right. a camping stove. <laughs> yeah. OK. okay. Uh, porridge. Good. Rated. Correctly nice. rated Correct. or underrated? Correct. Correct. Yeah, people Correct. love porridge. Uh, yeah, people love porridge, don't they? Yeah, I think so. Especially these days. Porridge is in. With a bit of salt. I like it with water, though. Oh, oh. Spartan. That's oh, Rosie Ramsden territory, isn't it? Well, I've, I've pulled, talked her around, actually. To yeah. Milk. I mean, like, Joe does it properly. Half water, half milk, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, half blah, and half. And That's the way forward. Yeah, but I can't. I, I'm not very good with milk in that kind of way. All right. So, I had a Stella, not that far from you, but you probably wouldn't bother travelling there for breakfast. Stella granola this morning at Espresso Hut on uh, Clapton, uh, Chatsworth Road. Just put pop that in the um, just memory bank. Anyone yeah. listening? Nice. Uh, nice. All right. Well, I'll put it on the blurb thing if they want to sponsor it us. It really was dif- difficult. <laughs> Delicious. Uh, uh, <laughs> final one. Final one. Uh, Deliveroo. Never used it. So overrated. I don't know. Yeah, that's fine. Well, you really practice what you preach. Then you don't. You don't eat shit. Uh, no. Yeah. No. I mean, yeah. No, I don't. Not, not being all like right, self-righteous about it or anything I just uh, can I jump in and say yeah overrated yeah yeah I, I, it's hard for me to tell because I don't no no that's fine that's fine I mean there's an idea it's, it's actually yeah. quite good no I, I think it's overrated as well I mean if I sit there with delivery I'll go through so much stuff and then just zone out and just oh, not like be hungry after it. like flicking through the channels it. on TV like for ages and not picking anything and then you're tired and just yeah. like everything's just shit in the end yeah yeah, and you just end up watching an old episode of Friends or something. <laughs> yeah, or or getting the same pizza you got last week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, well, thank you very much. Olivia. Thank you thank very you. much thank for having you, me. Um, glad You're that we were the best podcast that you've ever been on. <laughs> I'm glad that you enjoyed both our restaurants so much. That's high praise indeed. Thank you. Uh, you can follow Olia on Instagram, Olia Hercules, um, and her latest book, Caucasus, is out now, published by Mitchell. No, Octopus. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Mitchell Beasley. Mitchell Beasley. Beasley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's, everyone's published. Uh, uh, you know, it's available in fine bookstores everywhere, um, and on Jeff Bezos's little website, and um, popping up at Quo Vadis on the 16th of May, where you might well find Sam and I, Sam and me, in a corner. And people of Hereford come to the 4th of May one in the Hereford Dual Dusel Court. Oh, I've cooked there. Have you? Do you yeah, it's amazing. Is it? Great yeah. people come. It's a, for like it's to help Ukrainian kids not to be bored and do like exciting theatre shit. Like, please come. Yeah, Dusel Court just north of Hereford. Yeah, that's it. It's an absolutely wonderful house. Yeah. I had the worst weekend of my life there cooking for Abigail oh. Any Food Festival. But the place is incredible. <laughs> Fourth of May. So if you're downloading this and listening on the day, it's going to be this Friday. Please release Friday. it before Fourth of May. No, no, it's, this will be out. On oh, the, yeah, don't worry. About okay, okay. Olia, okay. um, thank you. Thank uh, you for having me, guys. It was fun. The funnest ever. That's the truth. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, goodbye. Bye. Bye.